Hello, Texans. Good evening and welcome to the program that plugs you in to NRG Stadium and what's going on with your Houston Texans. I'm Mark Vandermeer here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. The building is buzzing tonight because we have the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl tonight here. With Sick um. Yeah, there's John McClain, distinguished Baylor alumnus. John Sick um. He's psyched up for this one as Vanderbilt is in the house. So I know who you want to win this one. Does Baylor win this game, though? I mean, Vanderbilt's pretty good, right? Truthfully, Mark, I don't have a clue. <laughs> I've watched a lot of Baylor games. I've watched them play well and most of them play bad, but I've not watched Vanderbilt. Uh, I know Derek Mason had a tough job replacing James Franklin, and they got it. both teams have a chance to have a winning record. Yep, and that would look great on the resumes. And for Matt Rule to have go from one win to seven wins would be shocking, mm-hmm. considering the program that he took over. And I asked Sean Ryan a while ago because Sean coached with Matt with the Giants, right? And I knew they were friends because when Baylor hired Matt, I went and did a little story with Sean talking about him, and I'll never forget. He said he may be from the Northeast, but 15 minutes after he's sat down in Waco, you're going to think he's a Texan. That's his personality. And I was like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. The guy's from the Northeast. But he did. He fit in. I heard a bunch of assistants who were prominent high school coaches here, and it's helped him recruit real well. And I asked Sean about what do you think about real going from one win to the Texas Bowl. And he talked about how happy he was. He said, but it does not surprise me. Well, that's really good. Both programs, really. And Andre Ware brought up the point, we'll talk about this later in the show, that both teams really want to be here. So that bodes well for a good competitive bowl game tonight. We'll see how it plays out here at NRG Stadium this evening with a kickoff shortly after 8 o'clock. And you'll hear all the action right here. You'll also hear all the action on Sunday at noon when the Texans entertain the Jacksonville Jaguars. John, what do you make of this one as the Jags are out of it? But, boy, they played like they were into it last week at Miami, and we all know what happened four weeks ago when they took on the Colts and flattened them 6 nothing. Not exactly an offensive barrage there, but they still play some defense, and they're still dangerous on that side of the football. That is the most mystifying game in the NFL this season. The Jaguars beating Colts 6-0. It's the only game the Colts have lost over their last nine. Are they 8 of 9 or 7 of 8? I can't remember. But the Jaguars would like nothing more than to win two games by upsets on the road to finish 6-10. and 10. Now, it's been a disappointing season. To me, they're the biggest flop in the NFL. But if they could win the last two, it probably would end all those Tom Coughlin coming out to coach again and get rid mm-hmm. of Doug Marone, and they could go into the offseason with not such a bitter taste. And uh, so they'd like to do it. Blake Bortles. Lit up the Texans in 2017 when they had so many injuries on the defense and offense. And then this year, when Watson had to take the bus to Jacksonville and they won 20-7, to fewest points the defense has given up, and they played so well against Bortles, Doug Marone pulled him for Cody Kessler. So they got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Bortles is auditioning for a job. You know yep. He's not going to be back. If Nick Foles opts out or the Eagles decide not to exercise the option for $20 million, you know they'll be in the running. Denver will be in the running. Multiple teams will be. But Bortles is looking for another job. You got, as you mentioned, about their defense can still play. But the key is think about how much better Deshaun Watson's going to be compared to when he had a collapsed lung and a broken yep. rib. 
That's a good point right there. And the Texans were able to get some things done on the ground that day. We'll get to that in just a moment. Back to Jacksonville for a second here. Dave Caldwell, what's up with him? He's on that list of GM possible candidates, and he still has a job. Well, he can leave if he gets authority over personnel. He doesn't have it. He did, but then when they hired Tom Coughlin to run the front office, he had final say. So even though Caldwell has the title, if he gets the title and the authority, he can leave. Okay, so it's that simple. Caldwell, I don't know if you'd give him that shot. Mike Lombardi was on Mad Radio this morning, and he said, what about the quarterback position? I mean, they had multiple opportunities, had multiple quarterbacks, passed all of them up to stick with Blake Bortles. And after last year, I get it to a point, but there was no backup plan. There was no plan B that was going to work. Kessler clearly isn't it, and look where they are right now. Tom Coughlin could have changed that. So he can't fire himself. Mm-hmm. And I hope Doug Marone stays. I think Doug, you know, he was 9-7 his one year in Buffalo, and he opted out because the team was sold. It was in his contract. He was interim coach with the Jaguars, and then he was the head coach, and they went to the AFC championship game. You don't fire a guy after one year that has that kind of track record. So he'll be back. The AFC South is the best division in the NFL. And when I think about how good it can be next year, when the Colts have $100 in free agency, the Texans are going to have 68, but it'll be a lot less than that after they do a lot of things with their own guys, but they'll still have enough to go out and sign some players. And then the Titans, Mike Vrabel's done a good job there this year. Talk about a team that needs to have a good backup quarterback. It would be them because Mariota's been hurt some every year he's been in the league, and they got to make a decision pretty soon to commit to him. Uh, but I think those three teams, and then if Jack, Jacksonville gets a quarterback, can you imagine how competitive mm-hmm. this division is going to be? Well, even with the Colts and the Texans, John, because these two teams are likely to make the playoffs, Texans are already in, and the Colts have a great shot on Sunday night when they host Tennessee, I mean, when they visit Tennessee. So you look at that, and then Albert Breer talking about most likely dynasty in the NFL, and it was just one of those sort of talk radio questions, and he said, oh, the Colts, because of all the cap space, like you mentioned, they have a quarterback, they have Ballard, who's done a pretty good job so far. But why not the Texans, too, in that case, because – you know, John Harris brought it up. You have Deshaun. You have some cap space for sure. It's a pretty big chunk. And you have Brian Gain off to a pretty good start drafting. And Bill O'Brien, who has four winning seasons in his first five years. So you're right. This could be a huge factor moving forward in this division. Brian Gaines, Gain needs the kind of draft that Chris Ballard had. They got a one and a two in the offensive line. They're both playing well from the midway point on. That line has been great. I believe Brian will use two of the top three picks on offensive tackles, and they'll use get a corner with the other one. I think because there's more cornerbacks available in free agency than offensive tackles, I think he'll sign a corner. They need to get faster, bigger at corner, and they just need to get better at tackle. And based on what Brian and his staff did in this past draft without a one and a two, I am really pumped up about the next one to see what they do. And a guy that never gets any credit, Chris Olson, executive, mm-hmm. is he senior VP of administration? Assistant GM, whatever, something like that. Whatever Chris is, he's the cap guy behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And he has done a great job at putting this team, which has been a, pre- a contender since Bill got here, except last year because of injuries. 
to where they're going to have a lot of cap space. Now they got decisions on players. Uh, I still think Clowney will end up being franchised, and they got to decide Matthew Jackson extensions. What Brian Gain can do to bring in a couple of players that need positions, I'm pumped about that. But I'm also excited about this game and the possibility of the playoffs because they're they're going to beat Jacksonville. I keep seeing all these people go, well, if they lose to Jacksonville, how could they lose to Jacksonville? Well, stranger things. You just mentioned it. Jacksonville beat the Colts. Yeah, but that was a month ago. There was nothing on Last the line week. like in this game. All right, Seattle loses to San Francisco. Two weeks ago, but, but so much on the line. This the team week. is not going to lose at home to the Jaguars, and they're going to win. And then Andrew Luck's coming back to town. Can you imagine how exciting that that game would be? Mm. I'll guarantee. I'm guessing the networks won't put the Texans on Saturday in the first round, where you always put the teams that have the least interest. When you got Luck and Watson, the two games decided by three points, that would be a primo playoff game all right you're bringing up a lot of stuff i want to get into first of all olson's official title yes senior vice president football administration that's chris olson's official title i'm not a big title guy czar of the cap that's chris cap czar yeah cap czar capologist that's what we're calling from now on cap czar all right so the other thing is i'll get to the running game in a moment but you brought up the playoff because the texans are in so here we go but if they do end up hosting the Colts, what if it's Baltimore hosting the L.A. Chargers? I almost said San Diego. Which game is more attractive to the networks? Well, the one that now, one, L.A.'s in a bigger market, but nobody in L.A. cares about the Chargers. Yeah. Nobody really cares about the Chargers. If you're a TV executive, what's a sexier matchup? I don't know. I think Watson well, and Luck, obviously, you're right. I mean, it was 24-21 last time they met, and it's bound to be another close one and maybe a shootout. Probably a shootout, considering the Texans can't run. And if you get Baltimore, you get a great defense. You get a rematch of this game that they just played against yep. each other. And this is a rematch, too. And it was not a really exciting game. I watched it, but yeah. these two were the Colts and the Texans were. I'm taking – now, they're going to look, okay, Indianapolis market, it's mm-hmm. not a big deal. But Houston's a huge market. And Andrew Luck is Andrew Luck. And nobody in L.A. cares about the Chargers. And the San Diego, I don't know how many people care about them there. No, they they probably don't. Okay, I know you get asked this a lot, and it's been a weird week, so I haven't been able to hear you much. But what is your answer when people ask you, why can't the Texans run the ball better? Why have they got three consecutive games without being able to run it the way they need to? Because teams are obliterating the offensive line. They go from 172 yards a game for six games, including 185 against Cleveland, to just dropping off the face of the earth, starting with the Colts. Colts, Jets, and Eagles have just totally shut them down. So they have seen something that all of them must be doing, and the Texans are unable to adjust when the quarterback is your leading rusher three games in a row. That's not good. No. And when Deontay Foreman, I can understand him being slow and needing to get his legs, seven carries for minus one yard. But And Miller was out, but Lamar, before he got hurt, had three carries for eight yards. And you expect Blue to get something. It's not the running backs. It's I mean, not it's, the backs. It's the blocking. And Jacksonville has defense that's ranked number five in the league, so yep. they're going to stuff the run, and it's all going to be on Watson's shoulders. And if I'm Bill O'Brien, the play caller – you know he's got to be tempted every play to call a pass play and tell him if there's no receivers open, run. 
Well, he ran for two touchdowns last week. John, the Jacksonville Jaguars beating the Colts, yeah, that might have been the weirdest game of the season, but it was also weird that they beat the Dolphins the way they did because the Dolphins still had something on the they line. They did, 17-7. to seven. What did Beat you make of that one? I was stunned. I thought that might end up getting Adam Gase fired uh, to go down to Miami. They got Tannehill fired, reportedly. And 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 the Tannehill had been playing really well at home. The Dolphins have lost a lot of games by double digits. They're not like the Texans. Five losses by seven or fewer points and three by, what, three or fewer and they're getting beat bad, and that's not a good sign. And uh, Jacksonville, if the Jaguars, Leonard Fournette's been hurt most of the year, and they had injuries in their offensive line. But if I'm them, I got one position I need to take care of. One position, and, of course, that would be quarterback, and whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, uh, maybe Joe Flacco, maybe Nick Foles. If, do, the, do the Eagles keep him at $20 million off the cap no. as the backup? I don't think so either. Well, what if they make the playoffs and go on another run? And here's another one That's a lot of money. The Bears play the Vikings. I think they're going to play two weeks in a row. Yeah, and they probably want to play two weeks in a row, right? They don't want to face the Eagles. No, I don't think anybody wants to face the Eagles right now. I think nobody in the NFC wants to play the Eagles. Nobody in the AFC wants to play the Colts. I was asking on my Nashville station today, what team would the Texans rather win this game between the Titans and the Colts? Oh I said gosh. the Texans are going to say they're not paying attention. They're focused on Jacksonville. I said, but every fan in Houston would rather see the Titans win that oh, game. Tighten up all the way, baby. I said, I said they will be huge Titans fans. And let's see, Andrew Luck or Blaine Gabbert slash Marcus Mariota. And I said, Derrick Henry is the biggest part of the offense, and the Texans are great against the run. So give them Derrick Henry over Andrew Luck any day of the week. Any day of the week, twice on Sunday, actually just once. Uh, But we would love to see the Titans come in here instead of the Colts. Absolutely. All right, wide receiver. Obviously an issue here with the injuries, and Demarius Thomas unfortunately goes out. But Vincent Smith had that big catch last week. DeAndre Carter has been playing well. I don't know about QT. I mean, still limited. We'll see if he's able to get in there sooner than – I mean, he's got to be – somewhere near able to play at least in the postseason. Otherwise, they would have IR'd him. So, or they're just taking that chance every week. I'm not sure how they're thinking, but it'd be great to unleash him at some point. Why not this Sunday or certainly at the latest next week? If he's, if he's limited, he's not playing. Yeah, you know right. he's got to be he's got to be going full speed in practice, yeah. and DeAndre DeAndre Carter has been a terrific addition, mm-hmm. not just as a return guy, but he's given him some inside uh, juice as a receiver. Now Vincent Smith, six three, ran in four threes at his uh, pro day, and he made a great play on that touchdown catch over Douglas, keeping his feet in. That's got to give him a lot of confidence. It's got to give Watson confidence in him. Mm-hmm. It's got to give Bill O'Brien confidence in him. So I would like to see, because he's he's big and he's fast, send him deep two or three times. Let them see are they going to have one guy run with him. Is A.J. Boye going to turn and run with him? Do they have a safety deep? Because Ramsey thinks he can cover Hopkins by himself. But I'd want them, especially when they get, say, Around the 30 or the 35, that would be a good time to go deep to Smith and let's see if he can fight for the ball with that size because we know he can run, we know he can catch, but does he have ball skills at this point? Now, think about how raw he was 
when he came from Limestone College to the big leagues yeah. and how much he's had to learn, but they like him because they've kept him active. And I mean, yeah, and uh, everybody likes the kid, so it's up to Watson to get him the ball. I'll bet you that he catches three or four passes in this game because they're going to devote so much to uh, DeAndre Hopkins. What about the possibility, though, of them winning and getting all the help they need, at least some of the help they need? Do you give the Jets a snowball's chance in Foxborough to beat the Patriots? All right, you're not going to Darn it. You're not going to give me anything, are you? You're not going to give me any hope in that one. Do you? No, look, I don't believe that it's going to happen, but I think that it can happen. I don't think it would be the biggest upset of the universe. Sam Darnold has some game. The Patriots ran it well last week. That was a weird game with Buffalo. You know, I didn't see it. They've gone obviously... with two backs, and they are pounding the rock. Which They're going is ground very, pound. Which is very interesting when you've got Tom Brady. Yeah, because he's banged up. He's got a knee issue, apparently. He threw two picks against Buffalo last week, but they gave up over 200 yards rushing. He, he – uh Losing Josh Gordon, who was averaging 18 yards a catch, hurt. But uh, if the Texans were fortunate enough to win the first-round game here and go to New England, yeah, if they're ever going to win in New England, this would seem to be a time that this is not a great Patriots team. The Patriots aren't going to the Super Bowl. They've never gone to the Super Bowl unless they had home field advantage. Interesting. Well, they would go on the road for the AFC Championship in all likelihood. There could be upsets along the way, John. You never know. I mean, be. are you saying the Chiefs are going to hold serve at home? I mean, that's also historically for them. I know they have Mahomes now, but historically for them, that's been a tall order. Are the Chargers going to lose to Baltimore twice? Maybe. Phillip Rivers was awful. Is he going to have two bad games in a row, but Baltimore gets to play at home. They get a great defense. Could Baltimore go to Kansas City and win and beat Patrick Mahomes? I'm hoping that if it's not the Texans, it's the Chiefs. I like Andy Reid. I'd love to see him finally go. Love watching, would love writing about Patrick Mahomes and some of the stories they have there. And I think if New England goes to Kansas City, the Chiefs would get revenge on that game in regular season was 43-40. I really believe right now, Mark, we're going to see rematches in both championship games. Rams at Seattle. I I mean, at uh, New Orleans. I think that was... 42 to 35, something like that. And, of course, New England KC was 43 to 40. That's right. New England KC was a high-scoring game. KC Rams was a super high-scoring game. So, But that's only possible in a Super Bowl rematch. So we'll see how that goes. All right, let's uh, talk about some of the other games here. So you don't give the Jets a chance to beat the Patriots. Sam Darnold has some game. All right, you're not not even going to go there. You're not having it at all. At all. Okay, uh, but some games going on with jobs on the line. So the Bill McDermott is safe in Buffalo, yes. no, doubt, no doubt about yes. it. They're going to give Allen a year to develop. The Dolphins, though, you mentioned uh, Tannehill in the first segment. Tannenbaum out in Miami. How do you know what Tannenbaum did there? Chris Greer is the GM. Adam Gase is the coach. What was Mike Tannenbaum doing except collecting money? I have no I idea. I wish I could get a job like that. But Hire Gase me is, and I'll go play golf. Gase is going to stay, but last week's performance was perplexing to me how you don't play against Jacksonville, unless Jacksonville just has that ability to conjure up 17-7. to 7. All right, Falcons at Buccaneers. Is Winston back in Tampa? Who else are they going to get? I think that, um, that, yes, he'll be back. Dirk Cutter will not be back. The question is, will general manager Jason Light be fired too? Okay. 
Cowboys at the Giants. What's happening in New York with Shermer and Eli? Uh, he's not going anywhere, and everybody says Eli will be the quarterback next season. Panthers, everyone says Cam's hurt, so Cam will be fine for next year. Of Ron course. Rivera will be back. He will. That's good. I mean, he's a good coach. He's they a good coach, a and if he got fired, like if Mike Tomlin got fired, they'd get mm-hmm. jobs fast. We mentioned the Jets and the Patriots, but what about the coaching situation in New York? Is uh, the- Todd Bowles is gone. Mike McCagnan will be back. You know, McCagnan drafted Darnold. Darnold has played great. Played great again. Played yeah. really well against the Texans. He was great last week in that Packers shootout. He had over 300 yards, no interceptions. I think he had three touchdown passes. He was tremendous. Jets said they're not interested in Harbaugh or they're not going after him. They'll, get, Har- an, they'll get an offensive-oriented coach. Todd Bowles become a hot product as a defensive coordinator, as was Steve Wilkes when he's fired Arizona. Okay, good. Lions at the Packers. Matt Patricia not exactly having a great year. But. He is not. Matt Patricia has done a bad coaching job. He took over a 9-7 team, and they're awful. The only good things they'll get a high draft choice. He's made a lot of enemies there in the media. They don't like him. Wow. It's just it's not a good situation. He's not going to get fired, but it's just not a good situation in Detroit. Jay Gruden safe in Washington. They're in the market for a quarterback. You know, um, Without playing four quarterbacks, they just now went below five hundred. Yeah, I think Gruden will be back, even though he's been in the playoffs once and hadn't won a playoff. I think he's a pretty good coach. I just think it, there's always something wrong there, and maybe it's his fault. I don't know, but uh, I think Kirk Cousins is not as great as people think, and we're seeing it this year in Minnesota. They've kind of leveled off, and I'm not saying it's all his fault. But it's interesting to me how that's happening after Minnesota signs him to the big deal. So the Eagles at the Redskins, obviously, they need help to get in. If, what if Minnesota loses this game to the Bears? Kirk Cousins, quarterback, and that's his second playoff game. He doesn't win that. I mean, nothing's going to happen to Mike Zimmer, but still, you give that guy all that money to win games like this, and then they're probably going to go to Chicago. And it, But you, you don't blow games like this if you're making that kind of money. Cousins – Blew a game two years ago against the Giants, right? In a game that they needed and the Giants didn't. Final day of Which the is one season. reason Washington wouldn't pay him. Yeah, interesting. They they lived with him, so they know. Uh, Vance Joseph out in Denver, right? He is gone. You know Elway's going to look for an offensive-oriented coach. I'm sure he'll ask his buddy Gary Kubiak if he's interested. Gary will say no, and then they'll have to go find an offensive-oriented coach. And then they'll have to find a quarterback. They'd be in on the Nick Foles. And uh, I'm sure, you know, Elway's been out scouting college quarterbacks like crazy. It's no secret what he wants, and he struck out with all of them. Raiders are at the Chiefs, so uh, we'll be rooting for the Raiders hard, by the way. If the Chiefs lose and the Chargers somehow lose, the Texans get that two-seed if they win. And if the Patriots lose to the Jets, if all those things happen, you get the one-seed, John. So there's that. All right, stop. So the Raiders, anyway, Derek Carr. I didn't say a word. Is Derek Carr back with the Raiders. Yes, Derek Carr's actually played pretty well. Okay. And I so think, they found a way to work through it with Gruden. And I think he will be back. Now, what if Gruden decided to trade him? And maybe Gruden falls in love with one of these young quarterbacks. And if he does, does he keep him and knowing that this guy's Gruden's guy? Or do you trade him because they get at least a one, maybe more? Mm. Think about it. Two years ago, when uh, the Texans played them in 2016, he was hurt. 
Did he have his new contract then, or was it after that season he got it? I believe it was after. But he was one of the top young quarterbacks in football, destined for greatness for 10 seasons. The game in Mexico, Carr was brilliant. He lit it up, did a great job. Absolutely terrific. Okay, the Browns are at the Ravens. Now, is Greg Williams going to be the head coach at Cleveland? I think if they were to upset the Ravens, put the Steelers in the playoffs, they, they would have no alternative than bring back Greg Williams as head coach. They want Freddie Kitchens back as offensive coordinator. Baker Mayfield has been playing great. Mayfield has no fear. If he went in there and threw three touchdown passes and they won over their bitter rival, it wouldn't surprise me. But I heard today Roethlisberger's like 24-2-1 against the Browns. But uh, that would be a great thing for Cleveland in the NFL. Cleveland's going to be so much fun next year. 49ers at the Rams, and the Bears are watching that one. If the Rams lose and they win, they could get a two seed, but they're going to have to scoreboard watch and figure out how they want to play it with Minnesota because they don't want to play the Eagles who would get in if Minnesota loses and the Eagles beat Washington. You following You're following all that? You're giving me a headache. I know. So anyway, the Rams 40- win. Uh, but the 49ers coaching staff, Kyle's back, but what about the staff? Rob Sala. People Rob like- Sala might be in trouble. You're going to test Kyle Shanahan's loyalty to him. He's received a lot of criticism. You know that deal they made Solom- to get Solomon Thomas, swapped one spot, gave up uh, oh, yeah. so the Bears could get Trubisky, and they took Solomon Thomas. He hadn't done squat. Mm. Ryan Pace had a great, it was a great draft for him last year, but the – 49ers draft wasn't so good, and that's on John Lynch. But uh, I think the work that he's done developing Nick Mullins, Mm -hmm. an undrafted quarterback who's played really well, uh, I don't think anything will happen on offense. But Sala, Robert Sala, used to be here. I could see him going and hiring somebody like, say, Todd Bowles Mm -hmm. or Steve Wilkes, one of these former coaches who was a really good defensive coordinator. So Wilkes. He's out. Okay. One and done. One and done in Arizona. The what pe- has to happen to be one and done? It's beyond record because a lot of teams have bad records. They're going to have the number one pick. They got their quarterback. Did he hire bad staff? Was he not a good leader? Well, what was Bob's big thing here always? Uh, have you lost the locker room? Have you lost the locker room? And, yeah. and I don't know if that's very easy to assess. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But if the feeling of ownership is that the locker room is not on board, and especially a first-year guy, you have to show that, you know, you're the young and scrappy Cardinals, and if they're not showing that, then forget about it. They've lost a lot of decisive games. The Bengals at the Steelers. So what's going to happen in Cincinnati this offseason? Marvin Lewis has one year left on his contract. He went in last year expecting to be fired and got a two-year extension. But they've six, they'll finish 6-10, and 10, I think. But they lost Andy Dalton. And I'm just, I've been thinking Marvin Lewis is going to be fired for years. So I'm going to say he's back. He's back. They don't want to have to pay him off. And the Steelers, it's funny because I have a lot of friends who are Steelers fans and are down on Mike Tomlin right now. It is amazing. They didn't go to the playoffs one time. Okay, who are they going to get that's better? And how is it going to make them feel when Tomlin leaves and goes somewhere else and gets a great job and does a great job? All right, other topics I wanted to bring up with you quickly here. Bill O'Brien, I found it interesting how people were criticizing him for not going for it on fourth down. And and I'm thinking, I, I know Doug Peterson goes for it fourth down. It feels like every time. Just let, let's keep going for it. Mike Lombardi was on Mad Radio, and he said something interesting. He said, Peterson does it to a fault. That's how they lost the Vikings game, you know, by going for it too much. And with O'Brien, 
if you're at the 40, 45 yard line and you're not having a, it, it's not you exactly. You can't run the ball. Fourth and four, fourth and five. That is you not easy. You're giving it. them the ball and they're moving the ball on you. You're giving them the ball near midfield. I don't like that at all. And as it turned out, they had the lead late. They just couldn't close it out on defense. I don't have a problem with it. I didn't have a problem. I got a bunch of emails saying O'Brien's clock management caused the game. And when you how have, is that? When you have the ball, you do everything you can to score. You're not thinking, oh, yeah. okay, we're going to score and they're going to get the ball back. You do that in the final minute. How about it was third and ten for the go-ahead touchdown? It's third and or third and whatever it was, third and long. And you got to go try to either get the first down or the touchdown. And, you know, even in the call, Andre says maybe they get half of it here. I understand that. You know, maybe you try to get half of it and go for it on fourth down. But guess what? They were able to take the lead. You give me that every single time, and I'll take my chances with Foles on a long field. Unfortunately for the Texans, Foles was unbelievable that day. John, that third and tenth throw was incredible to all. The defense had stopped him in the first two. The previous two series, which will force the turnover, uh, Zach Cunningham forced, Jason Reed recovered, touchdown, then touchdown, and they did it in like a three-minute span. Mm-hmm. 521, they had the ball 204 when they scored the second one. So I don't have a problem with the way it worked out. Foles played great, um, it, but it worries you. Like Romeo Cornell said, they're making too many Mental mistakes and physical mistakes that they weren't making earlier in the secondary. And this is the time. This game against the Jaguars is a time they you better get it back. Well, we said it after the Jet game. They won that game, but we said they have to play better this time of year. And against Philadelphia on defense, they didn't play well enough, obviously. And offensively, not exactly a balanced effort because they couldn't run the ball, but Hey, Watson was as brilliant as I've ever seen any quarterback play. I mean, just about, in person anyway. That was an incredible performance. You like to have balance. You don't want your quarterback to be your leading rusher every game. But I believe, and I know you do too, and I would imagine most people listening, as long as Watson has the ball in his hands, they've got a chance to beat anybody anywhere. But if he scores like he did in Philadelphia, New England, Seattle, and you put time on the board, you don't know. What's going to happen? Uh, you'd love for him to get that last touchdown with five seconds left, but <laughs> he's they're capable of beating anybody, especially this year when there's no great dominant teams. John, what do you have going on in the Chronicle? I'm writing about uh, for tomorrow, Mark, about how how can a defense be so great against the run and so bad against the pass? Aaron Wilson, who wrote a great story on Vincent Smith today, has one for tomorrow on Jadevion Clowney, and uh, we'll have uh, – a whole bunch more on Sunday in our preview package. Who's pumped up for Sunday? It's Texans All Access here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio and pumped up for it tonight with the bowl game, Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. You have Baylor. You have Vanderbilt. You have two teams gutting it out for a winning campaign tonight in this building, and the game's only going to take about five hours. I'm kidding, but college football. I love college football. Look, I came from college football to the NFL. I love college football. One little complaint. Am I allowed to complain? Let's talk radio. I can complain. It's kind of what it's for, right? Just change the clock, please. Go to more of an NFL-like clock. Do not stop the clock for first downs. I got another complaint, but I'll get to that in a moment. The other thing is you can run the clock or actually stop the clock on first downs inside the final two minutes of the game. How about that, college football? In fact, that's a rule change that I've long supported in the NFL. I know that's kind of crazy, 
A lot of people would think I'm nuts, so maybe we don't have to do that in the NFL. But in college football, run the clock on first downs other than the final two minutes. In college football, when your team is down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter with like 10 minutes to go, you have an eternity. In the NFL, that clock churns. It's like a bad dream when you have a deficit. Now, I know the Texans have this quick strike capability like they did against Philadelphia. I mean, heck, it was just over five minutes to go. They were down two touchdowns, and they grabbed the lead with 2.04 to go. It happened so fast, and Philly had the ball. It wasn't a turnover or anything. They had four downs. So it's just kind of a strange deal with this Houston Texans team. Strange in that we're not used to that quick strike capability. They've never really had that. I mean, until now, they've never really been a downfield throwing team as often as they are now. I know they led the league in passing yards in 09, and they were one of the top offenses for a few years in the Kubiak era. But the way Watson looks downfield all the time, the way he improvises, it's just so much fun to watch. He's so electric. Boy, every conversation I have about this team sort of morphs into a conversation involving Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and the offense as well as the defense can play, and they know they need to play better against the pass if they're going to advance in the postseason. It's also weird to be able to talk about the postseason, but you have a game to go that means something. Two years ago, they played at Tennessee. They had already clinched the AFC South, but the game wasn't going to help them in the standings. So it was kind of an awkward deal. You go into a meaningless regular season finale, just like they had in 2011, a meaningless regular season finale against Tennessee here at NRG. That was the Jake DeLome game. Yates played, what, one series in that game, went four for four. Then DeLome played actually pretty well. Sometimes I think about that. What if they had started DeLome in the postseason? They beat the Bengals with Yates. Yates did not play well against the Baltimore Ravens on the road. Boy, I'm all over the place. Anyway, you know what I was thinking about? It just popped into my head today. This is going to mean something only to those of you who are a little more seasoned as television viewers. And by seasoned, I mean older. Because it just popped into my head. I was getting fired up for this weekend's games, particularly the one here, but also some of the other ones that could mean something very big for the Houston Texans. And the old NFL Today theme popped into my head, and I love it. You know, everyone always thinks about old NFL TV music as the Monday Night Football theme. But the NFL today, with Brent Musburger and Jimmy the Greek and Irv Cross and Phyllis George, it was huge. You are looking live at Veteran Stadium. I mean, this one used to get you all fired up on a Sunday. And so I just thought I'd play that because what the heck? I mean, what are we doing here? It's talk radio. It's the Houston Texans. And we'll get John Harris back in here in just a few moments and D.P. Sidhu as well. But I just thought I'd bring that up. Before we get to some other stuff, including a special little miniature version, an abbreviated, modified version of Houston Methodist Minutes on hamstrings because there's one significant one on the team that um, that we really need to talk about. We really need to talk about it. In fact, I'll mention it right now as I bring up the injury report for today. Limited participation. Once again, Kiki QT with the hamstring. That's the injury I'm going to discuss tonight with Houston Methodist Minutes, Dr. David Braunreiter. Uh, other guys who are limited, Johnny gave this to you yesterday. Andre Howe, Brandon Dunn, DeAndre Hopkins, Kareem Jackson, Jonathan Joseph, Menardrick McKinney, J.J. Watt. Limited in practice. I think every one of those guys, with the possible exception of QT and maybe Dunn, will play 
on Sunday, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe Kareem doesn't play, but I could be, um, you know, I could be right. I could be wrong. I don't know. They were limited. They weren't out of practice officially, so anything's possible. But full participation today, Covington went from limited to full with the knee injury. Here's the big one. Lamar Miller, full participation with the ankle injury. He was limited yesterday. He's full today. That is good. Also, and this is kind of one of those under-the-radar sort of injury tidbits, Mike Tyson, the defensive back, not the boxer, who has made plays for the Texans this year on special teams, he is full participation, full go today after being limited yesterday with the concussion. So that leads you to believe that he's A-OK with the concussion, although I believe that after the full practice he gets checked out again. So I'm not going to say he's a full go to play or not, but it was good to see that he was a full participant in practice in any case. As far as the Jaguars go, this is interesting. Leonard Fournette went down to a DNP, did not participate after being limited yesterday with ankle and foot problems. We'll see how that goes for him heading into Sunday. And this is a brand-new entry on the Jaguar injury report. Limited, Tayshawn Gibson with a foot problem. Now, he was nowhere to be found on the injury report yesterday, which leads you to believe something happened during practice. So there you have it. In fact, I'm not saying it's this, but very often... If you leave practice, but you participated during summer practice and you got injured during practice, you can be listed as limited. And, you know, for all we know, he's out for the season. So uh, very often you just don't get the full bit of information there. I haven't even checked Twitter on that, so I rambled too long. All right, what about this? Hamstring injuries. QT's got one. It was a big happening for this team. In a bad way, a big happening for a long time. This season, they were plagued by hamstrings. I think QT is the only one now still listed with a hamstring. I'm taking a look right now. Yes, he is, and let's hope he can get back soon. But here's Dr. David Broadwriter of Houston Methodist on what goes down during a hamstring injury. Well, the hamstring is a really strong muscle. It's in the back of the thigh. It connects the hip to the knee, and it helps extend the hip and, and bend the knee. And it's a very powerful muscle that's involved in decelerating and pushing off um, when it gets injured, it can it can actually happen when uh, the foot's planted hard and as you're taking off and the knee's fully extended. And it can do anything from a, a stretch to a full thickness tear. We grade them from one to three, with one being a very minor stretch and three being the worst case scenario. Most of them that we're going to see are going to be in the in the grade two category. All right, more from Broadrider, Dr. David Broadrider on hamstring injuries. Why doesn't this occur to more weekend warriors? Why is it such an athlete thing? And you see problems with NBA players and, of course, NFL players. Why is that the case? So typically this is an injury that requires a lot of high-level stress or strength that is not really done when you're running on a treadmill or working out in the gym. It's typically an explosive sprint with a stop-start or a jump. It's probably why we don't see it very often in the average person. What's the best prevention for a hamstring injury? Probably warming up properly and maybe uh, having a good strengthening program in between events if you're participating in events. But keeping up with a good flexibility and strength program is is good. Yes, it is. Dr. David Braunreiter from Houston Methodist. Houston Methodist Orthopedics and Sports Medicine provides expert care and advanced technology to help athletes at all levels return to peak performance. Visit HoustonMethodist.org slash GameOn about their customized treatment plans. The official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. Just a little taste of some medical information there on hamstring injuries. All right, 
I wanted to remind you, because I talked to so many people who have not sampled all of our video content and our stories and things like that, and they might go to the website from time to time. Look, the website is great. Go to the app, too, though. Download the app. Let's face it. We all live in our phones. I rarely use my computer anymore. Just when I need the big screen when I write, yeah. But we're all on our phones all the time. Download the Houston Texans app. I know this is an app commercial to a degree, but I just have to go there. If you don't have it, get it. It is your source for Texans information. Just scroll through it. Find out what you're missing. You're not watching the videos. You're not watching KJAC TV. Are you kidding me? Watch that stuff. We put a lot of work into it. It's phenomenal stuff, if I say so myself. All right, next up, John Harris. What are the Jags really like? What's really going on? inside the lines here with this football team. Let's go back to last week, one of the more perplexing results of the year. The way, Maybe not the result itself, but the way it unfolded is Dolphins versus Jacksonville. In Miami, Dolphins alive for the postseason, Ryan Tannehill playing for his career, yep. and they put up seven points against Jacksonville. Now, I'll go with you on this. Two and two in the last four, the Jags. The two wins, they hold opponents to zero and seven yes. teams that are alive for the postseason. Mm-hmm. The Colts, they blanked 6 nothing. Mm-hmm. They have the two games in between. The Redskins game was a slop fest. And I know Josh Johnson and the miracle win for the Redskins and all of that. They still play some D, this Jacksonville team. So what about that game against Miami, though? I just cannot figure that one out. Yeah, it's really – it's kind of strange. They did they, – they won 17-7. to They tacked on the last seven – on a pick six by Telvin Smith. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was weird about it is I flipped the game on, really not knowing anything about the game, because I was not I was not really paying attention to it much during the day. I was kind of following, and I heard Dre do the score updates, and I would see the score up there. I was kind of watching the Colts game more. I was kind of yeah. following, okay, what's happening there? Oh, yeah. So then when I flipped the game on, I'm expecting Miami to come out and be slow. and all. They go the first drive right down the field. Seventy-five yards, hot knife through butter. Right, like wow. Didn't score again. Didn't sniff it again. They had opera. Well, they did one time. They missed a field goal. They would have put them up ten to seven. But the flip side of that offensively is Jacksonville didn't do much. Jacksonville had one field goal with a Blake on a Blake Bortles drive. They had a touchdown on a Kessler drive earlier, and Kessler got banged up. Then Josh Wells, the right tackle, got banged up. They had to move Patrick Omame. Out from guard to tackle, and Shatling went at guard. I mean, they're beat up on the offensive line. There's nothing with Scott Blanovich as the new offensive coordinator that changes really from Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, there's really there's really nothing, and he's not working with a whole lot. You can't so really I, change the he, offense anyway. Yeah. You can tweak it, right? There's not there's not much you can do. But look, this is a this is one of those games where Jacksonville's Doug Marone could walk over to Romeo Cornell and give him the game plan and say, "Here, here's what we're gonna do. <laughs> here's what we're gonna do. Here's our game. Here are our plays. Here we go." You know, because you know what they're going to do. Right. They're going to turn a hand at Leonard Fournette. They're going to hand it to Carlos Hyde. They're going to try and throw some some bubble screens, and then they're going to read with Bortles. Yes, and the, exactly, and that's the other one. They're going to run zone read with Bortles. The very first play when he came in, uh, seven to seven when he came in the game. What's the very first play they ran? Zone read. Zone read. Twelve yard first down. So you've got to be well aware of that. You've got to take away Blake Bortles as a runner. And that was my first. That was my first key when I wrote my "Know Your Foe." The first key: stop Blake Bortles, the running back. You got to stop. Okay. Got to eliminate that. And don't let Fournette either 
get outside, right? Because yep. or hide or whoever's running the ball for them. You got They're not getting yards up the middle against the Texans. No, they they should. They shouldn't be able to get any push. You've got to be very disciplined about what it is you're doing. But what's going to help Fournette, I think, this week is that zone read that you do have to respect it. But there are some ways that you can do some things to make the reads difficult for Blake. The Texans have done that before on him. They have used Clowney in particular in a, in a couple of different ways, a couple of different techniques that he has to play the zone read. They're going to have to use those. They're going to have to be well aware of that. When he's in shotgun and Fournette's, when Fournette is, is opposite you or on your side, you got to know there's a possibility he could be he could be running the zone read. Blake could back at you. So, you got to be disciplined against that, but I think that's the one reason they're going back to Bortles is that Cody Kessler, when the, the zone read's not a factor, Cody's going to be a drop-back guy, and he's dropping back behind an offensive line that's just not worthy of playing in the NFL right now. It's just a really tough group. And the, and the Dolphins, the Dolphins, who can't really rush the passer at all, were able to get back to him like four or five times. Mm-hmm. So he got banged up in large part because of that. Bortles comes in. Now they're able to move it a little bit because of some of those things we talked about. Zone read, four net runs, a couple of quick screens, and that's really what the offense was. I mean, Doug, like I said, Doug Marone could hand the, the, the game plan to Romeo and say, here, this is what we're going to run. You know it. You know what we're going to do. Boy, have at it. Jacksonville, what a spectacular failure, though, with Bortles this year because they re-signed him. Yep. They're coming off the AFC Championship game appearance. I really thought that Bortles had turned a corner – after seeing him against the Texans twice last year, yep. never mind everything else, and they go to the AFC Championship game. That was a wild game with Pittsburgh. Yeah. That got them there. And they scored in the 40s Yes, in that they game. did. I just checked it out. And against the Patriots, they had some opportunities. There's the infamous, let's sit on the ball with like a minute plus to go before the yep. half, trying to just drain clock. What are you doing? Yep. You have to find a way to score points against New England. You yep. cannot try to get out of the game before the half. Right. You can't get out of the game with four minutes to go against the Patriots. You have to keep control of the football. So, anyway, the situation at quarterback for Jacksonville, they're going to have a new one next year. What about the Dolphins, though, with Tannehill? And I talked about this with the general earlier. Tannehill gone from Miami after the season. That's the report. That's not a big surprise. No. They're going to take the hit and move on. But it just hasn't worked out for him. The entire state of Florida is probably going to have a change of quarterback. You think Winston two in Tampa? It yeah. could very well be. Oh, I mean, boy, it could very well be. I mean, pick in the draft. I, it sounds as I mean, if you're Dirk Cutter and your head coach, and it sounds as if they're going to bring Dirk back. Okay, you got one more year. Are you going to entrust Jameis Winston for one more uh, year? Yeah, I, I just it, that that's a tough one to. Well, where are you going with this? I that's mean, there what aren't I'm, enough guys. Exactly. You're right that's about the, the point. Of Look at it this way. These are three top ten picks mm-hmm. at quarterback in the state of Florida, and they're all going to be gone. Yep, absolutely. And and the thing is, is every team had an opportunity to draft a quarterback this past year mm-hmm. and didn't do it. Jacksonville, even down at number 30, had the opportunity to draft Lamar Jackson. Didn't do it. Tampa Bay was sitting in the top ten. They could have drafted, I believe they could have drafted Josh Rosen. Yeah. They could have drafted Lamar Jackson. Didn't do it. Um, you know, And the Dolphins... They went ahead and took Minka Fitzpatrick, and they had the opportunity also to do Lamar Jackson. They had some ammunition. They could have traded up and done some different things as well, but they didn't do it. And now they're all sitting there. And and the reason I think this last draft was probably the year to do it is you're now looking at an offseason in free agency. That's going to – it's going to include more than likely Nick Foles. It's – you don't know about Eli just yet. Right. And this is all kind of tied together, tied to my point. 
you probably could trade for Teddy Bridgewater, but you're probably going to have to give up a one. Boy, the Saints are so happy about this. Yeah, and the and then the the NFL draft just took a hit from the quarterback position because Justin Herbert decided to stay at Oregon one Oregon one right. year, which was long that that was thought from the beginning that he would stay another year. His brother's coming to Oregon as a as an incoming freshman, and they thought they wanted to play together for a year, and so that's been the thought all along. Is that a good decision for Herbert? Well, he would have been the number one. He would have been the number one quarterback. Yeah, so you and at that point, that. probably the number one pick. Well, now, Mariota would have been as well if he came out at fourteen. And the thought is that he will end up being either the first or second guy off the board in twenty nineteen. Now, the difference is in twenty nineteen, he's now going to be assessed with Jake Fromm and Tua Tonga Vailoa. So there are at least two other guys that are going to be in that mix with him, right? Kind of like Matt Leinart was. Yeah, if Leinart if Leiner had come out the year that he was supposed to, mm-hmm. well, the year that he didn't, he decided to go back. But if he had come out after his junior year, after he won the Heisman, he would have been the number one pick, no questions asked. The 49ers would have taken Matt Leinart and not Alex Smith. Yep. Matt Leinart was the number one pick. He goes back, he ends up being the 10th pick. When you go back, you end up subjecting yourself to another year of dissection and all that kind of stuff. But Sometimes it plays out in your favor. Right. You end up with a better team, better situation. Sometimes, absolutely. Vince Young being exa- you know, exhibit A. He could have come out of, after the – the bowl game against Michigan as a redshirt sophomore, but he went back, had a great year, ends up being uh, the pick to Tennessee. So all of that, what all of that does, and, and why I bring all that up, is you're sort of hamstrung in some sense. Because if you're Miami, you're going to finish with a record. The worst you're going to finish is 7-9. and 7-9 and nine probably puts you 13, 14 maybe. You got nothing. You've got no. You're going to have to go the free agent route if you want a quarterback. Yeah. Or you're going to have to go trade for for Teddy Bridgewater. And the Saints are sitting there going, "Look, we got a possible Super Bowl winning team. We don't have a, the Saints don't have a first round pick because they gave it up for Marcus Davenport. But they've got this asset, in Teddy Bridgewater, that everybody in the league is going to want. What they trade for Bridgewater? I think a third. Jeez, I think it was a, a third great investment. Exactly. It's exactly what it was. It was investment. I That's mean, exactly investment what they in a did. backup quarterback during a season in mm-hmm. which they're really good. Yep. And investment for trade currency later on. They get a Absolutely. great draft choice out of it. And you're right. They have to make that back up after the Davenport acquisition mm-hmm. of the trade. So in the uh, draft. So good for them. I, I just it blows my mind, though, the lack of vision for some of these teams, especially Jacksonville, because. Kessler, I understand it if Jacksonville had a Lamar Jackson in the wings or something. Right. You know, some sort of – and Lamar Jackson might be too much to ask, but a project who might have a lot of upside. Let's mm-hmm. just – I don't know who that would be. It's not Kessler, though. Right. And they put Kessler in there, and their season just continues to go down the tubes. I guess they were so disappointed with Bortles that they had to make that move. So Bortles will be here with the Jaguars. This is a resume game for him. This is game tape for whatever team he ends mm-hmm. up playing for in 2019 and it's not going to be as a starting quarterback he'll be a backup in this league Tannehill will be a backup in this league maybe they get an opportunity to win a job somewhere but man that's this is a tough road it you know it just makes you so grateful to be where you are now as a franchise the Houston Texans have a quarterback yes now having said that you know I don't know how they feel about Whedon going forward or whatever but I bet that Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien are thinking we need some insurance too mm-hmm. and maybe a project behind Whedon or maybe Whedon's got I don't know what they're thinking at this point but they clearly have the starter and that is fantastic news. Yeah, absolutely and you know the the teams that went out and got quarterbacks this year all five of them have started. All five of them have shown 
they deserve first round accolades mm-hmm. and that they they are the future for their teams. I mean, even Josh Rosen down in Arizona struggled a bit with not a whole lot around him, uh, especially in the offensive line. But he's had some good moments. Look at what Lamar's doing with with Baltimore. I mean, you feel good if you've got the future in front of you. But what do you do if you're in Washington? What do you do? Uh, if you're in Tampa Bay, do you hang on to Winston because you know that the the pickings are going to be slim? Jacksonville, what do you do if you're the Giants? And that's why I think the Giants might hang on to Eli for another year because there just isn't another answer. And there's there really are the such few there. answers. There's nobody. The, I mean, you look at all right. Look at that division: Washington and the Giants. If they let go of Eli, Philadelphia's loaded at quarterback yep. right now, so they'll have to address the full situation. Look at the AFC East. Well, you're definitely going to have one vacancy. In Miami, yeah, but that's it there. Look at the AFC South. Bortles, the rest of the division is okay. Yep. Mariota is going to be back in yep. in Tennessee, and mm-hmm. and he'll look. I think that he's got a, still a lot to learn, but he can make some plays. And they're on the verge of going to the postseason yep. now. He might not get to play much, but we'll see how that plays out. All right, help me out with this because okay. on Tuesday it's New Year's Day. We're not going to do a Fuddruckers Texans players show because it's New Year's Day. Although I thought people would come. But it's a holiday, so you never know, and then you have to staff it, so never mind. We're not going to do it. We'll be on the air, though. We will be on the air with plenty of fun. But I wanted to do something like this where we go over certain moments of the calendar year for the Texans because the regular season will be in the books. Mm -hmm. So the early returns, John, what's the moment of the year for the Houston Texans? Not the play of the year, the moment of the year. What is it? You could have multiple oh, entries uh, at this point. Okay, uh, let's just let's just throw them out there. But to me, the no the no doubter moment of the year is Dre Howe coming back from cancer. Ooh, that's a good moment of the year. I like that. I mean, that, how can you go wrong with that? I mean, with with Jacksonville coming up, I think a lot of people will think automatically about Jacksonville and think of the bus, think about yeah, the bus trip, right. which I think is up there as well. You but, have a lot of candidates, by the way. I know, I know. Because I'm going to throw a couple more at you, and you're going to be like, oh, my gosh. I know, I know. But that was also the week that Dre Howe came back from cancer. It was. And it was also the week, uh, earlier that week, his dad had passed away. So he was playing that Sunday in Jacksonville. And I remember the Texans started in nickel, and so he was out on the field on nickel. And it was like, whoa. Yep. Dre Howe is back playing football. Yeah, I was just that was that to me was a pretty outstanding, that, and he's yeah, was the good. Ed Block Courage Award winner. He so is, yeah, good that, for him. That came, that news came out today, and that was fantastic. I, I mean, he deserves it. I mean, it's it's incredible. But uh, the bus trip to Jacksonville for Deshaun, I pretty mean, good. I think is that's a that's moment. a that's a pretty big one too. Uh, Lamar Miller, 97-yard run on RCM night. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Monday Night Football beating the Titans. That's pretty good. I mean, that game, that whole game, I think that we'll remember that no matter what happens in the postseason. Mm-hmm. We'll remember that for a long time. I mean, obviously, you know, Mr. McNair passes away three days prior. Then you have you beat the former Oilers, and you have mm-hmm. a ninety. You have the longest play from scrimmage in franchise history. Yeah, I like that as a candidate. Spinorama. I mean, if you're going to go Spinorama, I mean, when I did my ultimate eleven for replay, I I did, I did the ultimate eleven plays, not including the Philadelphia game because there would have been one, maybe two plays from the Philadelphia game that would have made the offensive real. Mm-hmm. But I did the ultimate eleven and the ultimate eleven offense and defensive plays. Number number one offense was Spinorama. Right. What was the number one? On my ultimate eleven defensive plays, I know what it is. What I I I don't remember what you said, but yeah. I'm going to go. 
fumble in Indy week Ooh, four. Very important, but no. What? J. Joe picked six against Buffalo. Bingo. There you go. That was huge. That was that was massive. I mean, that's a that that game was lost. That game was lost. Of all the games that we have played this year that have been very very close, that the game was lost. I mean, it was flat out done over. Like, how are we going to drive ninety two yards on these guys? How are we going to drive seventy two yards on these guys? They've been killing us all day. And then Watson goes zoop 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 deep pi kick a field goal tie game and then he wins it with the pick six. Yeah, I mean. Had to find a way to make a stop, if not the pick six, and they get the pick six. So that was a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, that was that. The ninety-seven yard run, though, I remember the sequence. The sequence of events, sort of like with Spinorama too. Zach Cunningham plays a major role in that because on the third and one stop, he gets on Zeke Elliott, forces the Cowboys to punt, and then on the fourth and one, they stop Luke Stocker inside the five yard line. Uh, or inside the th- at the three, they stop him at the three, and there's a great shot of mine at football, right overhead shot. You see Stocker run, and then he, it's like he hits a wall and goes nowhere. And then the very next play, I just remember thinking, because that was one week after Washington and the 101-yard pick, pick six. This was in two plays, but it had kind of the same feeling. It yeah. was like they're about to score, and then you stop them and then take it the very next play. It's a gut punch and a half. But – that – Dre Howe coming back from cancer and the Monday night game against Tennessee uh, when we celebrated RCM, I was – I mean, it was it was incredible. I remember in the locker room that night, uh, Demarius had caught two touchdowns mm-hmm. because against Washington he didn't have any targets and then he had two touchdowns in the Tennessee game. And I just remember talking to him in the locker room and there was just such – there was such joy for him – being part of th- he just smiled the whole interview. I mean, he just yeah. smiled the whole interview and just loved being part of this team. And he'll still be a part of this team no matter what. But that was another moment in Denver when he played that first game. Ooh. I've never seen more cameras on the field by our locker room than when he was coming out for that game against Denver. Yeah, It was amazing. There were so many people on the field just to see him. And his family was on the field, too, yeah, to see him great. play. And they were all wearing so Texans sad. gear. Oh, I mean, it was the just – and one of the moments that no, that we happened to see because of where the, the buses were, and he was, out by, he was out by the bus, and he was just holding court with Peyton Manning. Peyton wow. and Demarius just out talking, and Demarius was picking up Peyton's kids, Marshall. He's holding Marshall at one point and talking to him, and it was just – it was really cool. It was like two – you know, two brothers. And, and, you know, that's the thing about football. You know, guys come from all these different walks of life. And, you know, what Demarius had to go through with his family in, in early in his life. And then you've got Peyton, who came from a much different realm. But then they meet their teammates. They win championships together. In the foxhole together. Yeah. And, and the bond is created. It yeah. was just really cool. There were so many people around. It was amazing. We were kind of up on a bus and we were kind of elevated so we could see it. But you just saw people with phones. They were kind of standing yeah. over the fray just trying to get pictures of it. But... There are just a lot of there. There are a lot of memories like that that I'll have throughout this year that have been really good, and, and thankfully it's going to keep going beyond this game, no matter what. I just hope that we can do it. I, I, I don't. I don't know if the players feel this way, but going to the playoffs would be great. But just being able to put a hat and a T-shirt on Sunday in the locker room to say AFC South champs after all they've been through—that would be great. Would be really cool. Got to get it done. What was the win that made you feel best during the year? Oh, 
And again, I'm going to go through these on Tuesday. We're going to have nominees and really make it official because lives are hanging in the balance. Yeah. Not. But I know a lot of people uh, like to talk about this stuff with the calendar year coming to an end. Yeah. Uh, the one that made me – wow. That's I mean, a great, it's, it's a, a hard one to pick because the streak – I know. Picking thing. one out of the no streak matter, is hard. You could win the Super Bowl, and look, that will be talked about through eternity – but you'll you'll always look back on this season and say nine games in a row yeah. after zero and three. Yeah, I mean, my gosh! And I've said it before. I did expect the team to play a lot better because those were close losses. I expected them to win games. I didn't expect nine in a row to follow zero and three. But I got to say, for me, I think it was Dallas. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Just the elation of beating, and that was only the second one in the mm-hmm. streak. But the elation of beating the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football and mm-hmm. the way it happened with the spinorama, so necessary to win that. You only get them every four years, and you yeah. wanted to crush them. You didn't crush them, but you beat them. You edged them out. Yeah. It's a pretty good Dallas team, as it turns out. Not awesome, but good they won team. a division. Hey, you know, that's another thing about this year. When you played Denver, yeah, I know it wasn't. they weren't great. They actually won three in a row after you did beat them. Mm-hmm. But you beat a decent Denver team. They were decent at the time. I think they've taken their hits injury-wise. They just haven't played as well. When you played the Redskins, they were 6-3. and three, yep. And you ended their season all but because you knocked Alex Smith out and they struggled from there. Uh, a lot of Buffalo was playing really good D, and they mm-hmm. still are. They're still a very good defense. They gave it up on the ground against the Patriots last week, but they were doing some damage. Look at what's happened with Dallas. Look now, these are the wins. And then you look at the losses – Look at the Eagles. No one wants to play that team right now. They are smoking hot. They might miss the postseason, probably will, because it's in the Bears' hands whether they get in or not. Yeah. The Bears have to beat Minnesota along with the Eagles needing to beat Washington. My Bears want no part of the Eagles. Nobody does at this point. No, Mike Lombardi was on 6'10", and he said, don't, <laughs> don't think that the Bears don't understand what's going on here. They know that it's going to be extremely difficult to beat the Eagles, so if they lose to the Vikings, they get to play the Vikings again. Think about this. Texans are ten and five, five losses, right? Right. They lost to Tennessee and Indy, but then they beat Tennessee and Indy. Yep. Three other losses. The two teams that went to the Super Bowl last year, you lost on the road in both their places. Close. Close. Mm-hmm. And, and the one that just mystifies is the Giants. I mean, that, it mystifies. It's, it's like what well, happened? They were going to validate everything by beating the Colts last week, I and know. they couldn't finish the job. Uh, yeah, I guess Not validate but, really. That's um, a little too strong a word. Dallas. Dallas was an amazing one. Um, th- that was as hard a hitting. It was as hard a hitting game as I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's <laughs> Deshaun took a beating that night, and I mean, it was it was all in the in the in wanting to make plays. I mean, that's yeah. that's really what it was. You know, they couldn't score down in the red zone. They couldn't get that done. But yet, the way that it happened with Hopkins making that play, I would think it's Dallas or it's Tennessee. Those are, those are the two. My my favorite, my favorite is probably the Jets. As crazy as that sounds, on the road, Hopkins big catch yeah. late. Um, you know, just for me, I got a chance to see my nephews. I hadn't seen them uh, in a while, and got to hang out with them on the night before. And then it's an afternoon game, so get a good run in, all that kind of stuff. And then you're playing in MetLife. You're playing the Jets. They're in it, so there's JTS Jets chant. Oh gosh! Yeah. And then Hopkins makes that play on the Watson throw. Then you have that drive. That they drive get the ball twice and, after that. Ugh. I mean, it's just wow. That was that was 
a really fun one. And we probably won't mention that one much because it was the Jets and all that. But it's on the road against them. It's New York. It was hard to win on the road. On a Saturday. I mean, it was just I, I love that one. But but Tennessee and Dallas, the Tennessee one, I remember you and I talked about the very next day. We talked about kind of how we felt about that. And it was such it was such a tough night because of what had happened over the weekend uh, with Bob and, and losing him and just I kept looking up at the board, and I kept seeing the video of him, and I was like, God, it, it was so hard to believe that he was gone. Yep. But yet, the team went out there and fell behind 10 nothing, Fell behind 10 nothing, And then 34-7 to over the next, you know, how many ever minutes of the game. That I mean, was it was, beautiful. It was just, I mean, it was a thorough thrashing of them, which I absolutely love. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind seeing them in the playoffs just, well, that was Just their saying. most complete victory, yeah, right? I think so. I think the it was. The win over Cleveland, and I brought this up before, power rating-wise, that's a pretty good win right now because Cleveland is going good. That first half was as dominant as they've been all year. You I cannot thought. say that Cleveland – it's it's no foregone conclusion that Cleveland's going to lose to Baltimore on the road this weekend. I mean, no. the Ravens need the game. you betting against Baker Mayfield at any point? No. No. no I'm Heck not going to no. do it. I mean, I wouldn't want to have to bet that right. game. But I look at the Ravens and Cleveland, and, yeah, I know the Ravens are doing some great things, especially on defense, and Lamar Jackson's unpredictable, and he's making a lot of plays, but so is Mayfield. Mm -hmm. And the Browns, they've known that it's a long shot at best, slim and none that they make the postseason. They're just playing these games like they're bowl games every week and having a good time (laughs) doing it. And the thing about it is, is if they make one fuel against Pittsburgh in in game one, they're playing for the AFC North title this week. Against the Ravens. Mm. Do you think that that allows Greg Williams to keep the job? Does he become the permanent head coach? Honestly, if he wins this Sunday, how do you not make him the coach? I, I, I think the same thing. You know, and it's funny because I, I've seen stuff like, well, the Browns could be Super Bowl contenders. You really want Greg Williams to handle that? Well, who else do you, who are you going to get? Yeah. You know, I, you read all these ridiculous things this time of year. Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Look, Jim Harbaugh, I guess he could come back to the NFL. It's going to cost you $8 million a year I guess, or whatever. Yeah. And it's, it could happen. It might happen. But the thing is, if I'm Cleveland, the simplest thing might be the best thing here. You keep Greg Williams around at Freddie Kitchens, and you just go to work next year. Yeah, because you just keep if rolling. you start out with those guys, you're going to be 9-7, and 10-6 minimum going into the postseason. Johnny, thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. Thank you. DP Sidhu joins us now in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Hi, DP. Hi, Mark. It's a long time since I've been in studio with you. Usually we're out at Fuddruckers. Well, we got to do this more often. And we do. We, on Tuesday, we will not have a Fuddruckers show. We will be doing some kind of programming, though, from the studio. So there's that. It's New Year's Day. New Year's Day, Christmas Day. That's yeah. the first time that we've had Fuddruckers back-to-back shows on holidays i know it's weird we haven't yeah. been able to be out and we will be out the following week of I'll course set the stage for yes. that soon enough well the following week actually that's if you win well if that's why win. i said yes definitively yes. mark i didn't say it like a question yes i'd like yes, to be out we'll the be next there. few weeks uh, actually, i'd like to do the fuddruckers texans players show from atlanta <laughs> that'd be good do a couple of them is there a fuddruckers in atlanta i, I don't, don't know think so, but it doesn't matter we'll take it with us Okay. We'll take the branding with us, and we'll work it out somehow. All right, so I know you've been busy. You always are. 
Uh, first of all, you were on Jaguars Radio. What was that like? I was on Jaguars Radio. Are they depressed? Yesterday and today, yes. And they, <laughs> yes. it's a lovely feeling because I remember this time last year being so jealous mm-hmm. of where they were, yeah. and now things are right. The world is back in order. The universe <laughs> is back as it should be again. <laughs> With the Jaguars, with the Jaguars the missing the playoffs, and then being grumpy and cranky. And I had JP Shadrick on of Jaguars Radio Network, and he was so. Uh, dejected because I think a lot of changes are coming to that organization this off season. Yeah, and and it's you know it's that time of year where people just want to talk about the draft, and when it's week seventeen, they don't want to talk about it. But when I was on this morning with the Jaguars uh, morning drive, the one thing they were asking was, "What does the Texans team think of a five and fifteen Jaguars team?" Because I think a lot of people think that the Texans are just viewing the Jaguars as an easy win on the road to the playoffs, and and I told them what exactly what Bill Bill said in his press conference, and I one hundred percent feel the same way too. That that defense is healthy, yep. and we've seen what they can do. We yeah. watched that Colts game where they shut out Andrew, a red hot Andrew Luck, yep. six to nothing, and I said, no one's taking this Jaguars team for granted because it's in this division. All these games are tough. Look you what know? they did against Miami on Sunday. You know, we talked about it with Johnny. It's uh, it's really problematic what they bring here to the table on that side uh, of the football. Especially because you know they have they have injuries on offense, but on defense they can really disrupt the game quite a bit so they said yeah yeah that's what you're supposed to say but I I do in my heart believe that this game is is nothing to sneeze at now I'd much rather be playing them at home than on the road I'm so glad we're not up in Indy how we've been how we were last year up in Tennessee it's nice to close game of the season last game of the season especially like last year you know we kind of knew that the season was over it didn't matter but this year it's really nice to have a home game to close up the season. Very nice indeed. Okay, so you're on Jaguars Radio. And they, they also were asking about the locker room, which I thought was really what interesting. Do you mean the culture or something? Yeah, they, they, they knew that this was a you know a gritty, tough locker room, and, mm-hmm. and they stick together, and they've got this focus, and they seem to be really intrigued by that. Because they don't have that. Because And, and, and that intrigues me, because all I know is what we see here, but I right. don't think it's that way in a lot of locker rooms. Yeah. So they were very intrigued by how all these guys stick together and even through the losing and the winning. And I said, even in the winning, and you remember this, Mark, right. that nine-game win streak, I mean, we had to stop and count every week because it's not like there were huge celebrations and parties. It wasn't like club dub like the Bears after wins. I right. Mean, it was, they had a little celebration after the game, but that was it. A and tiny then little acknowledgement. Move, move on. Because these were close games, and that's great to win those, but uh, they always felt the sting of 0-3. Like Bill O'Brien always said, it's a short walk. And he exactly. Felt, he felt that pain still. So I think it kind of kept everybody going. But here you are, final game of the regular season. It's funny because the season is long, especially when you're in this building and you see what the guys go through. Not so much us, but the guys going through this every day, getting their bodies ready for every week. Yet it feels like, my gosh, really? It's going to end? The regular season's going to end? And then you're in one-and-done mode. Uh Uh-oh. Like to make it four-and-done or three-and-done? That would be nice. But I do think this season went by in the blink of an eye. All that winning in the middle, I think I'll never – I will never forget how amazing that was week after week after week, those wins and the win streak. And I think it's now that the win streak is over, you know, they won the nine in a row. You look back and you just think of how many amazing moments there were in that nine game stretch, how many different players stepped up to the plate. And then to see Jadeveon Clowney and J.J. Watt healthy the way that we have talked about, I think, every offseason since Clowney's been here. It's been a lot of fun to watch. And I I really, um, you know, I really hope that, 
they have several more games now deep into the playoffs. Several more, please. Several more. All I'd right. love to go to Atlanta. On tomorrow's show, DeAndre Carter, you caught up with him in studio. And a little bit on him, obviously they picked him up when the Eagles let him go. He actually played well against the Eagles. And the Texans really need him until QT comes back, even when he comes back. I'll be eager to see how they set that up. They both play the slot, but I think they can move people around. But what did you make of Carter as a person? Well, you know, he had the the five kickoffs for 122 yards against his former team, and he had six catches on offense. I asked Bill about him earlier in the week, and, and Bill said he plays a little different position than what Demarius does. He plays on the inside, but mm-hmm. certainly he can help this offense. When you sit down and you talk to him, he's such a smart guy. He, he was a substitute teacher in, like, the Bay Area. I forget the name of the town in California, but he substitute taught pretty much every subject. Whatever he was asked to teach, math. English, history. Wow. He uh, coached some kids for a speech competition. He, he was on practice squad in Oakland, mm-hmm. in New England, and then, you know, he was looking for a gig in the NFL. So this was a friend of his that was as a principal or working at a high school in Northern California who said, hey, you know, why don't you come back and do some teaching? And then he would do that and then still fly out to try out with teams in the evenings. They, it afforded him that flexibility that he could still Substitute keep up with. Substitute teacher, he's got a flexible schedule, a little bit more than most. So. And the kids were so inspired by him because at the time, well, he's like 25 now at the time, he was 22, 23. He got a little bit more respect than what we probably gave our substitute teachers right. growing up, you know, where they just walk in and they turn on a movie and then you know, no one's paying attention to anything. But he was actually teaching the lesson plan and inspiring kids because they knew that he played in the NFL. Right. I asked him if some of them keep in touch with him. He said, yeah, with social media. They definitely keep Absolutely. in touch with them, which is really nice. I feel like for high school kids to see a player in that position go out and do what he does after teaching, I hope he goes back and does it one day. DeAndre Carter, substitute teacher, and I got a feeling the kids don't treat him the way they would treat a lot of substitute teachers, so good for him. No, a lot of a street cred for him being yep. in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think that his story is great. Uh, John Harris was telling me one time before a game, and I asked him about this in the interview, uh, there were, the wide receivers were out there lined up, and he was telling guys, I think Hopkins was not in on that play. Right. They were. He was telling guys where they need to go and to awesome. line up correctly. And he's been here for a less amount of time than some of the younger guys. But, yeah. you know, he's just willing to help out wherever he can. Yeah. He taught a steady skills class. I think catching up to the playbook is not a big was not a big deal for him. So you also did likes and stuff. I do that every week, yeah, yes. Yeah, every, every week, and I like that because it's always – there's something that I just – it kind of intrigues me. Maybe that's too strong a word, but what about DeAndre Hopkins and his eating habits? <laughs> the things this? that you learn on social media. Yeah, it's just – you see this stuff, and I know you highlight all of it. You and Jesse Clark, you do a great job finding these little nuggets. What, what was going on with DeAndre? So DeAndre Hopkins – somebody captured this off of his Instagram story that mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins' favorite topping on pizza is honey. And he asked people, is he the only one that puts honey on pizza? I would answer yes. But this fan quote tweeted it and said, I am now going to put honey on my pizza like DeAndre Yeah, Hopkins. because why, if you can catch <laughs> like that what the heck i don't know I mean, if it's the honey on the pizza but it's a strange well, topping it, it's almost least. like the pineapple on pizza thing it's worse it, this is it's worse. way worse because but it's still a sweet on a non-sweet to me i know tomato sauce has a lot of sugar in it but come on let's be real here it's tomato sauce you put pineapple on a pizza it's really going to change the dynamic you put honey on a pizza oh I don't gosh it's pizza anymore it's honey cheese bread or something <laughs> it's a dessert yeah i don't know i always find it funny that people you know, I think players find it interesting that other fans like to know this stuff about them, but right. I think it gives them a sense of 
approachability is just like a normal person. This is what they do off the field. You get a really good sense of, of guys, what they're watching on TV, what movies they're into, the debates they have about other sporting events. I, I really, I, I think it's a, it's a lot of fun with social media these days. It absolutely is. All right, so KJAC TV, is this, I mean, we're, rank this among things you've worked on since you've been here. You started here in 2013. 13. 13. Jeez, you've been here a while. I okay. have been here a while. <laughs> well, you know, in 13, 13 was such a sad season for obvious reasons. Yeah. And I remember towards the end of the year, Drew and I, we used to go back and watch old On the Nose episodes. Yeah. I mean, this, I... This is what we used to do. We didn't have TV shows back then, mm-hmm. and we were losing, so there wasn't a lot in to cover. 13, we did not produce our own TV shows. We correct. did not, so we had a little bit more free time. And, and I remember he would tell me a story about on the nose, and then I'd go Google it, and I thought, what must that be like? Sean Cody and Connor Barwin. It and, was great, and Mr. McNair in, in some episodes yeah. in the locker room, and I and you know the the. The atmosphere in the locker room in 13 was so different yeah. that to go back and watch them celebrating, they're all, you know, they're, they're division champs. They're having fun. You mean early 13. Yeah. It was 11 and 12 that yeah. they shot the bulk those of those shows, episodes. Right. And I just remember thinking, one day I hope that we can recreate something like it. Yeah. I, there's no, only one Sean Cody. There's not going to ever be a show like it. But I thought if one day there's a player in the locker room or some segment that we can do. And, and it was just filed in the back of my mind. But I think KJAC TV is is probably a good replacement for yes. On the Nose. But he's Kareem has done such a phenomenal job. We, we used to have a rotating cast of players. Mm-hmm. And every time Kareem would get the mic, I told him, I said, you are really funny. It was magic. I was like, you have this like dry sense of humor. You make fun of the guys. Right. You add your own flavor to it that... No one else can do. Yep. And and I think sometime last year he said, you know what? I want to do it. I want to be the guy. And I, I was so overjoyed. But it's taken off in a way. I think the winning helps, obviously. Sure. So you're but winning. He's and so he's good. And he's playing tremendously on the field. And he's gotten even funnier, I think, in each episode. Right. So he's. I mean, he's got T-shirts. He's promised an off-season show going on the road. He's promised an, an entire sweatsuit line and a KJAC TV shop. I don't I, know how we're going to afford all I don't this. know how he is going to afford it because I don't think we are going to pay for it. But the no, KJAC, we help him. The KJAC TV shirts are in hot demand, and I might drop a little nugget here that they, they might be available in the team store. Okay, the shirts. The shirts. Nice. And it's all presented by Arctic. Presented by great. Arctic, and I know they, they're every time we post a KJAC TV episode on Fridays on Instagram or on Twitter, people want the shirts, and so we are really trying to make that happen. I've got mine. I've got mine, too. Uh, I'm afraid to wear it in public because I think every time someone wears it in public, people get asked, where can I get that shirt? I've worn it playing basketball, and believe me, they've noticed because it just looks so unique. You know, it's got the color bars and Kareem's face and everything <laughs> people want it. All right, DP, thanks a lot. Thanks, Mark. DP Sidhu, follow her on Twitter at Deep Slant. All right, that's going to do it for the show. It's been a fun one with John McClain, John Harris, DP Sidhu. Next up, the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.